0: Hey everybody, this is A.S. Cobb with Blacklight Communication Strategies and your favorite podcast. Keep calm and work it out. What the dot, dot, dot. That's basically what uh, is on my mind right now. And I just want to share something with you. And, you know, I'm very opinionated. Um, I don't think I've really ever been militant. But... Firm and vocal about my beliefs. And um, excuse me if you hear me sniffing, whatever. I have sinus issues constantly or whatever. And um, to be honest, I've had like a very, very emotional ride. And I just couldn't wait for everything to just um, subside before I got a chance to talk with you, my family. Uh, So just bear with me and don't judge me. (laughs) The one thing that's on my mind now is uh, reparations. Don't let that turn you off and don't don't change the channel. Um, You know, recently they had um, people testify, you know, on behalf and against uh, reparations. So let's do a little bit of backstory. Reparations, the root word is to repair. And when we talk about giving reparations, we're talking about giving some type of a financial compensation Or something else that would lead to financial compensation. To make up for. To atone for. To apologize for. The damages caused by the atrocities perpetrated on people of color. More particularly, we're talking about black people slavery and the one thing I want to talk about is um, Herschel Walker. I'll probably do more parts to this. There's so much going on right now, but it just hurt my heart for this man to stand before the leaders of this nation. His fans, if you don't know Herschel Walker, former NFL player, for him to stand before the nation and speak out against the idea of reparations, how is a gut punch that I don't think is going to ever heal? Horrible. Now, I can see if he was a plumber, I can see if he was a teacher. But this man has been allowed and able and blessed to get out there and make millions of dollars for him and his posterity. And I don't think that that's the person that you need testifying before people talking about we don't need reparations. Now, going back a little more, I'll just say reparations is a conversation that I don't initiate. I don't like having a conversation about reparations. But over the past few years, I have been roped into conversations about reparations. I ain't never said anything about reparations. Do I think it's a good thing? Yes. Do I want some? Yes. But, I figure, like, you know, Lord bless me long enough or whatever, I'll, I'll get mine. I don't necessarily mean reparations, but I'll get it. But, I look at the people, I look at like my mom and my aunts and my grandparents and, you know, give them something. Give them something. Because I know my grandparents, not too far out of slavery. Like, you know, the first generation outside of slavery. The hell that they went through to raise children and to make them positive people and to keep them from death every day. <laughs> And so many of them have passed on. Some of them, you know, led good lives. They had good lives. Or good moments in life. You know, thank God. And some of them just lived with the heartbreak of what they saw. What they experienced. The things that people said to them and did to them. The places that they wouldn't let them go. The things that they wouldn't let them become. And that, I think, is just, that is an atrocity in and of itself. And so, if there's something out there, give it to the older people that are out there, man. Because they saw it. And they survived it, man. And they continue to build these roads and these bridges that we drive on each day. So that we can get to work and make this money. At these corporations, man. At these corporations, which some have been passed down. Some people have wealth passed down to them, power, industry, and then there are some people who have the struggle passed down to them. Now, the struggle has its beauty in it because it strengthens you, but just because you can't take less does not mean that you have to, and there's a lot of people who have had to, so is there reparations in store for them? Is there reparations needed for them? Should somebody repair the damage that have been done to their life? And we're talking about posterity, which are your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. Should somebody do something for that? You damn right somebody should. And it's not that somebody I'm looking for a savior or something like that, but it's just like I just got to a point this morning where I just said, I just broke down and I said, I'm tired. I'm tired. I've overcome a lot in my life, and there's so much i would never talk about, and there's so much i never complain about. And I'm just tired of not talking about it, and I'm tired of not complaining about it, because I'm on the receiving end of so much complaining. All the time. But let me mention slavery. Let me mention what's going on in my life and how it is directly related to slavery. But I don't do that because I don't want to seem like some whiny person where somebody just can't get their ish together. A ne'er do well or whatever But like I'm tired man I'm really tired of working twice as hard as the person next to me To get 75% or 50% of what they got So when we talk about reparations This system needs to be repaired So my message to you today If anybody is out there listening Is stand up or lay down And when you lay down It's like you're going to sleep Most people don't talk much when they sleep I can't say they don't talk and they sleep Because they do, I know I do but stand up, man, or lay down. Like, stop this. And people are entitled to their opinions. Herschel Walker is totally entitled to his opinion. But when you stand before all of these people, as a person who is a descendant of these people, who have had all this stuff done to them, man, you have done a disservice, and you've done damage with your speak. And we cannot just lay down on that or whatever. And my point of this whole message today is not, give us reparations, it's not give us some type of welfare or whatever but just take a stringent look at the history of this nation, take a stringent look at the people that built this nation man and do the right thing do the right thing and that means if you black, if you white if you Mexican, Chinese, Salvadoran, it doesn't matter man, do the right thing and sometimes doing the right thing is saying something and just like they say silence is racism to go, but I want you to get so sick and tired of being sick and tired. I want you to get so tired whether it's been perpetrated upon you, your ancestry or whatever or whether you're just tired of seeing it happen to other people. I need you. Your people need you. And your people come in all different colors. We need you stand up and do the right thing. We saw how those hundreds of people descended upon the Capitol because of what they believed in, because Trump, who they believed in, told them to meet me on Pennsylvania Avenue and I'll walk with you. And these people drove hundreds of miles, thousands of miles so that they can come up there and again, perpetrate more atrocities on this nation, on the people trying to do something good for this nation. But then you look at people, I'll leave it like myself. Look at people that look like me. We're not going up there. I'm not saying that there was nobody that looked like me up there. I saw, I saw one, and I'm sure that might have been like you know, a little smattering here and there. But I stay silent, man, because I'm scared. And I'm tired of being scared. I'm scared of what people will think, I'm scared of what people will say, and I'm scared to have even more of my opportunities taken away from me, moved to another echelon that I have to do more. I have to go get more school and more certification to pay more dues to get. I definitely have seen the game change before my eyes, man. And you work so hard to get to this one level, and then next thing you know, they've just changed that whole game. And now you need to do this. Now, thank y'all for listening to me. This is AS Cobb with Blacklight Communication Strategies and your favorite podcast. Keep calm and work it out. And today, I just don't want to be calm. I just want to talk and I want to just reach somebody, man. Like I just sometimes feel like, I don't know. Who's listening? Who cares, man? Not just about me, but about the things that's going on in the world. And we just keep living. And thank God you keep waking us up every day. But when we wake up every day, that's a chance to do it better and to do it right. So I'm not surprised by some of the things that's going on. Like, um, you know, we just had the Arctic storm, Zuri, excuse me, Yuri out here. And people are all up in arms about Ted Cruz going to Cancun. In the wake of it. I mean, excuse me, in the midst of it. I'm not surprised, man. I'm not surprised. And how dare you be surprised. I've never thought Ted Cruz was a bad person. I don't know him. I know his, um, what he shares about his political views. And I know that he was elected won't say whether or not I voted for him. I voted, yes, But I'm not surprised. Because y'all, there are three types of politicians. We can say five, but I'm going to say three. There's one, if um, or I'll say two. If you're not in Houston, I hope you look these people up if you don't know them. The Mayor of Houston, Sylvester Turner, anybody knows me knows that that is my superhero from the time I was in middle school, I remember him being on the news constantly working in Houston and around Houston, trying to help people, trying to help people, trying to help people and take out the word try helping people. He ran for mayor. Uh, I want to say late 80s. Um, and he ran against Bob Lanier. Bob Lanier won. Turner never stopped being a champion for his people. He continued to work in the community. And then he went to our state senate and worked as a state senator. Helping to get resources for people. Helping the most vulnerable among us. Helping those who have been dog treaded upon. Then he comes back to Houston and assumes the position of mayor for which he was elected for two terms so far. Let me just say this, nobody's perfect. think you'll ever get a politician in any position that is going to appease everyone. When Obama was in office, as a black man, yes, I've been with pride. And, you know, I was just someone that, you know, I didn't come from a college family, and I'm not saying that it wasn't a priority, but I, I didn't speak college. And I was in and out of school for years. When Obama took office, one thing that I know he did was he removed the middleman and he obliterated billions of dollars of wasted spending by having a middleman disperse funds for college grants and loans. I think more so the loans. That money had the ability to be redirected into other places, other needed places but it helped with the cost of tuition. It helped with the accessibility of college. And again, I was one that was in school and out of school. At that point, I think I was doing well. I had gotten myself on track, back in school, Mm -hmm. focused. But you know, I am one of those people. Uh, My interests, wane. And I lose steam. But in 2008 when Obama took office, I told myself, there is no way I'm going to have a black man in office and I not accomplish something. So I got on it. And I finished school. Through hell and high water and I'm so grateful, but I was just so proud, and I know, and sometimes I'll even say, like, remember, Obama is half black and half white, we still haven't had, a, you know, black, a full cool black man in there, but I love the man, I love what he's done, I love what his wife has done, but to see somebody that looks like me, man, like me and I don't know where it's going to go but I want you to get so sick and tired of being sick and tired I want you to get so tired whether it's been perpetrated upon you your ancestry or whatever or whether you're just tired of seeing it happen to other people, I need you your people need you and your people come in all different colors. We need you to stand up and do the right thing. We saw how those hundreds of people descended upon the Capitol because of what they believed in. Because Trump, who they believed in, told them to meet me on Pennsylvania Avenue and I'll walk with you. And these people drove hundreds of miles, thousands of miles so that they can come up there and again, perpetrate more atrocities on this nation, on the people trying to do something good for this nation. But then you look at people. I'll leave say like myself. Look at people that look like me. We're not going up there. I'm not saying that there was nobody that looked like me up there. I saw, I saw one. And I'm sure there might have been like you know a little smattering here and there. But I stay silent, man, because I'm scared and I'm tired of being scared. I'm scared of what people will think. I'm scared of what people will say, and I'm scared to have even more of my opportunities taken away from me, moved to another echelon that I have to do more. I have to go get more school and more certification, and pay more dues to get. I definitely have seen the game change before my eyes, man. And you work so hard to get to this one level, and then next thing you know, they've just changed that whole game. And now you need to do this. And I thank y'all for listening to me. This is AS Cobb with Blacklight Communication Strategies. And your favorite podcast, keep calm and work it out. And today I just don't want to be calm. I just want to talk. And I want to just reach somebody, man. Like I just sometimes feel like, uh, I don't know. Who's listening? Who cares, man? Not just about me, but about the things that's going on in the world. And we just keep living. And thank God you keep waking us up every day. But when we wake up every day, that's a chance to do it better and to do it right. So I'm not surprised by some of the things that's going on. Like, um, you know, we just had the Arctic storm, Zuri, excuse me, Yuri out here. And people are all up in arms about Ted Cruz going to Cancun. In the wake of it. I mean excuse me, in the midst of it. I'm not surprised, man. I'm not surprised. And how dare you be surprised. I've never thought Ted Cruz was a bad person. I don't know him. I know his um what he shares about his political views, and I know that he was elected won't say whether or not I voted for him. I voted, yes. But I'm not surprised. Because, y'all, there are three types of politicians. We can say five, but I'm going to say three. There's one, uh, or I'll say two. If you're not in Houston, I hope you look these people up if you don't know them. The mayor of Houston, Sylvester Turner. Anybody knows me knows that that is my superhero. From the time I was in middle school, I remember him being on the news constantly, working in Houston and around Houston, trying to help people, trying to help people, trying to help people. And take out the word "try," helping people. He ran for mayor. I want to say late 80s. Um, And he ran against Bob Lanier. Bob Lanier won. Turner never stopped being a champion for his people. He continued to work in the community. And then he went to our state senate and worked as a state senator. Helping to get resources for people. Helping the most vulnerable among us. Helping those who have been dogged, treaded upon. Then he comes back to Houston and assumes the position of mayor for which he was elected for two terms so far. Let me just say this, nobody's perfect. Nobody. I don't think you'll ever get a politician in any position that is going to appease everyone. When Obama was in office as a black man, yes, I've been with pride. And, you know, I was just someone that, you know, I didn't come from a college family. And I'm not saying that it wasn't a priority, but I, I didn't speak college and I was in and out of school for years. When Obama took office, one thing that I know he did was he removed the middleman and he obliterated billions of dollars of wasted spending by having a a middleman disperse funds for college grants and loans. I think more so the loans. That money had the ability to be redirected into other places, other needed places. But it helped with the cost of tuition. It helped with the accessibility of college. And again, I was one that was in school and out of school. At that point, I think I was doing well. I had gotten myself on track back in school, focused, But, you know, I am one of those people. Uh, My interests wane. And I lose steam. But in 2008, when Obama took office, I told myself, there is no way I'm going to have a black man in office and I not accomplish something. So I got on it. And I finished school through hell and high water. And I'm so grateful. But I was just so proud. And I know, and sometimes I'll even say, like, remember Obama is half black and half white. We still haven't had, you know, a full black man in there. But I love the man. I love what he's done. I love what his wife has done. But to see somebody that looks like me, man. Was just amazing. And I said, you know what? There's going to be a position somewhere on this earth that I'm going to assume that is going to pay that forward. But I have to lead by example. Stop the woe with me and get it done. So I know I'm going off. Let me get back. Talk about Sylvester Turner. Um, being in Houston, he lives in the same area where he grew up. He loves the area. He's not perfect. He can't solve everything. He's one man. He can't put an end to the crime, but he can make an impact on it. He can't put an end to the dereliction of duties, you know, of citizens and politicians, but he can make an impact that he has and he is That's one type of politician. Now, let me go ahead and throw into the ring with him, Sheila Jackson Lee, our representative for Houston, Congresswoman. Um, I don't know. People think different ways about her, have different opinions. Understandable. But I'm big on the big show. I know when something happens, Sheila Jackson Lee is on a plane from D.C. and she is feet on the ground. On the ground. She's not hiding in an ivory tower. She's not simply delegating. She rolls her sleeves up that braided crown on her head. Bless your heart. And she works, man. And she works. I know when COVID happened, you know, her and Turner were just busting tail to open up uh, testing sites for people. Why? Because it's important. And they serve areas of underserved people. Ignored. Marginalized people. And so they work hard to bring them into the fold. To remind people that these people count and they matter. And they are a part of what makes our world, our nation, our cities, our states, our counties, our economy what it is. Though it's taking hits. With um, Arctic Storm Yuri, mm-hmm. Sheila. I'm mm-hmm. not to say Sheila E. She, Sheila Jackson Lee. Again. Mm-hmm. Feet on the ground out here in Houston, setting up water distribution stations. Minor to some that probably aren't here. But I can tell you, as a person who's been with our water for over a week, it's needed and it's appreciated. I have a roof over my head and I'm grateful. Food in my stomach and I'm grateful. Blood in my veins and a pulse. sometimes, man, it's hard out here and it hurts. And again, I come from one of those families that passed down the struggle, man. Each of us came here in deficit. So any wealth that we've built went to fill up that deficit first. And then whatever's left, that's That's what we're working with. Stand up or lay down, man. Be vocal. Stop letting people dictate your script. And I'm preaching to myself as well. Because I'm still censoring myself, but also because of my profession. You know, I don't want to be a besmirchment on (laughs) uh, where I work or with whom I work or anything like that. Or, you know, again, have myself be sanctioned for something or have, you know, opportunities taken because of something that I've spoken so it's a fine line and I feel I'm doing better and I'm opening up and waking up and everything like that. And I pray that everyone else does. I thank you for listening to me throughout all my sniffling and my shaky voice. But as I was getting ready to leave the house today, I just I just paused. Before I left my bedroom, I just paused. And I grabbed the, um, the doorway. And I was just telling myself, like, I'm tired. I'm so tired. I would like to surround myself or continue to surround myself with people who are tired as well. So, Sheila Jackson Lee, Sylvester Turner. Politicians who do what they do to make change, to facilitate a change in this world. Support our most vulnerable populations to make an attempt at leveling the playing fields and to help. And to help. I've seen that with my own eyes. And if anybody ever wants to have a conversation with me about it or even debate with me about it, whatever, I welcome that. I absolutely welcome that. Okay, then you have the other politician. The agenda politician. Who is very smart, very savvy, but saw a way to facilitate furthering their agenda for themselves, their family their circle who do enough to stay below the radar but enough to be elected. Rest well at night knowing that there are people in their constituency clinging on to life, clinging on to hope. Liking on to whatever opportunity was, you know, bestowed upon them that they earned, and that's a that's a business politician. That's a politician that's in the business of politics. And when you're in the business of politics, you're in the business of screwing people over. And when you're in the business of screwing people over, there's so much blood on your hands. It's not it's not funny. There's so much blood on your hands.